The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We got a lot of ground to cover on this Friday edition of Fantasy NBA Today, so we're diving right into the mix. I am Dan Bespris. This is a Hoop Ball and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee presentation, and we have a nine-game Thursday to recap, a week in review to go over, although in a different, a, a different set here today, the Thursday recap will actually take care of 18 of the 30 teams. Normally, we're doing six or eight tripled up on that a little bit and then of course we'll get you set for the weekend weekend preview edition as we talk about things to watch for of course first thing we got to talk about we did get the Jonathan Isaac report and it wasn't good it wasn't good at all there was optimism some measure of optimism that perhaps because he was moving a little bit better after the ball game that maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world well the MRA came back not great. No tear, no structural damage, but a very bad knee sprain, among some other things. There's like a posterior something or another that got involved. I didn't, I don't have the exact wording in front of me, but it is an eight-week departure at least. They said eight to ten. So that puts a potential return at the earliest at the very end of February. February 27th would have been eight weeks from when the diagnosis came. February 26th would have been eight weeks from when he actually hurt himself. There's a high likelihood that that eight becomes a nine or a ten. So you're talking about the first week of March, which at that point means, let's say he comes back March 5th, that would be about nine weeks. One, two, three, four, five weeks left in the regular season at that point. Is it worth it? If you have an IR spot, you probably do hang on. Because Orlando smells of a team that's going to be fighting for a playoff spot, and they're going to want to use him even if it's for halftime in there. 24 minutes of Jonathan Isaac is still more than worth it. Let's say he's a week he plays about 20 minutes a game. And then another week after that, he plays 24 minutes a game. And it slowly revs up. If you don't have an IR spot, you're screwed. It's almost impossible to hold anybody for eight weeks. Here's the thing. If you're in a playoff format, you kind of have to hold him too. I'm trying to come up with, and this is when people, when the news broke on Thursday afternoon, and I, I obviously tweeted the news when it broke. I, I saw the, the Woj report. Or the, the Magic, I think the Magic put out a report, and I quote, treat, tweet, that we can do this together, we can do this together, quote, tweeted that, and said crap, or damn it, or something to that effect, because there's that initial punch in the gut right when the news comes out. But now I've had a day to sit on it. And I've got some Jonathan Isaacs. I'm sure you guys do too. Everybody that listens to Hoopball ends up with some Jonathan Isaac, because he's incredible. And then he was even better than we could have ever imagined in our wildest magical imagination. After some time to sit on it and mull the whole thing over, if you're going to get five weeks out of Jonathan Isaac and say one of those five weeks he's playing 15 to 20 minutes per game, which puts him probably in the top 100 range, and then four weeks he's playing in the 20 to 20 eight-minute range. I don't know where. Maybe he gets up to a full allotment. That's a guy you have to hold. As completely bonkers as that seems, you have to find a way. Think of it this way. Forget where you drafted him. Forget the fact that you probably drafted him 60th overall. And now he's magically ended up as number 18 prior to this injury. Forget that for a moment. Eight weeks is effectively 30 games. Now, you, you call it about three and a half games per week, per team, is what it comes out to roughly. What is this season? 22 weeks? 
Doesn't matter. I mean, we're, we're rounding here. We're making life simple. Three and a half games a week. So four weeks is 14 games. Eight weeks is 28 games. That's three games more than DeAndre Ayton and John Collins missed. If that's really when he came back. How many of you guys dropped DeAndre Ayton or John Collins? I'm betting very few. And I know that your response is going to be, well, Dan, theirs came in the first month of the year. So they missed their 25 to 30. They missed their 25 games for suspension, and Isaac misses 30 for injury. But we knew that Aiden and Collins would be back by Christmas time. So you still have January, February, March, and half of April to enjoy them. But three and a half months is three and a half months as long as he's there for your A, head to head playoffs, or B, in Roto, to give you those crazy steals and block numbers. Down the stretch. I bring this other little piece of evidence into the mix. The Magic are currently the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, two and a half games up on the Charlotte Hornets, who have been slumping. And Lord knows the Magic are going to go through some stuff as well. But nobody's chasing them down. I know everybody's looking at this thing, and the, the initial reactions I'm seeing on Twitter are, he's, their, he's the prize of their future. They're going to go very gently with him. I agree with that sentiment, but the Magic don't really operate the way that say, the Celtics or the Lakers would operate, which is, we want to go to the finals and nothing else matters. For the the Magic, there are grades of success with an organization that hasn't had a ton of it lately. So getting to the playoffs is a big deal. Could they get past the Nets and into the seventh seed to... Most likely, avoid the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round. That would obviously be a really nice thing to do. But even if they go into a prolonged slump, even if they play 40% basketball for a while, the team behind them, the Hornets, is only playing 38% basketball right now. They've won 38% of their games. The Magic could really play about 35% basketball for 30 games, and they would probably be right there. So from a mathematics standpoint, let's say that over 30 games, let's say Jonathan Isaac misses 30 games. The Magic generally with him here are four games under 500 right now, 15 and 19. He missed a couple in there with a turned ankle, and I don't remember precisely how those went. It's not important for our example right now. Let's say they're four games under 500. let Let's say they're a little bit worse than that over the next 30 games. It's not uh, 13 and 17. Let's say it's 11 and 19. Make it a pretty ugly stretch. They're 26 and 38 at that point. To match that record, 26 and 38, the Hornets would have to go 12 and 15, which is currently better than the pace they're on right now. So someone below Orlando is going to have to go on a win streak to catch the Magic, even with Jonathan Isaac out. Can we all agree they can probably go 11-19 and 19 over the next 30 games? Probably. So you're talking about 15 to 20 games, maybe? 18 in a best-case scenario, something like that. 20 in a best-case scenario, maybe more like 15 is more likely. 15 games of Jonathan Isaac is worth it, in my estimation. So I'm going to preach patience. It's not worth a ton, but again, if you're in a head-to-head, and that's your playoff stretch... Hell yeah, you hold on. Hope he's back by the the first week of March. Get him for those three weeks. That's pivotal three weeks. And Roto, that's just when you're going to be trying to chase people down. If you're going to trade him, today's the day. Don't wait partway through and then try to trade him because then you get into that nebulous in-between where you're probably not going to get any more than you would have gotten for him right now. And you've already blown a few weeks of zeros. Go see if you can track down a top 60, top 70 guy for him. That would, that would actually be worth it at this point. If they're going to play 45 games versus Isaac's 15. It's pretty easy to beat 15 games Jonathan Isaac the rest of the way. They're just, you know, it's not a guy you can pick up off the waiver wire. Scooping up a top 100 guy for 45 games, that's really not that fun anyway. So go lob him out there. See if you can get... Who the hell's in that 60 to 75 range? See if you can get... Nerland's Noel be an interesting guy to go grab for Jonathan Isaac. See if you can get, you're not going to get Jaron Jackson Jr. He's on the rise. See if you can get Will Barton or Jared Allen 
or Miles Turner, who's in there. See if you can get Jonas Valanciunas or Brandon Clark, these guys that are going to play 45 games for Isaac's 15. If you're going to trade him, those are the guys you target. You do it right this second. Do not delay. For every game you delay, you you whiff on an opportunity to get maximum value for your injured star. If you wait, then you got to hold. So those are your two options. You either flip him right now at a huge discount for guys that are going to play and be useful and maybe can replace some of what he did. Nerland's Noel is an interesting facsimile. Steals and blocks, yeah, not as good, 2.6 instead of over 4, but at least you're not taking zeros there. Someone in that neck of the woods is your target here. Or you hang on, you cross your fingers, you get a month out of him. Maybe you get a little bit more in a better case scenario. And you can still scoop up something towards the end of the year. The key here, as with all things, is don't panic. If somebody offers you Luke Kennard, you turn him down. If somebody offers you Wendell Carter Jr., you turn him down. He's outside the top 100. There are guys you take, there are guys you don't take. You need a guy that can still be a little bit of a difference maker for your team if you're going to part with someone like Jonathan Isaac. He was inside the top 20 people. Think about it. You know who's ranked right next to Jonathan Isaac right now? Nick Vucevic, Chris Paul, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jimmy Butler are the guys right around him. If one of those dudes went down for eight weeks, would you drop them? I doubt it. You'd say, hell no, I didn't. I took. I drafted Jimmy Butler 13th. I can't drop my 13th pick even if he's out for eight weeks. Well, treat Jonathan Isaac the same way because he's a top 25 guy now. That's who he is. It's not where he was drafted. Find a way to hang on or sell this moment. I thought that was an important discussion to have. Let's whip through the Thursday box scores. We have so many things to go over, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on those because we're going to have a weekend review and a weekend preview to, to deal with later on in today's podcast. I haven't even really introduced anything. I'm Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. want to again thank everybody who's been rating and reviewing the pod. I want to keep pushing that here at the opening of our show. Not that this is the opening anymore. But pull up the podcast app on your Apple-branded mobile device. Search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title and scroll down to the bottom. That's how you do it on a mobile device. Down at the bottom of that page is where you can leave a five-star review. If you'd like to write a message... Something nice, something funny, whatever it might be. That's great, too. If you don't want to, that's fine. Just throw in the five stars. We'll love you forever. I We were at 399 the last time I checked, so one of you guys can be customer number 400. Maybe we'll throw you a little ticker tape parade like they did in all those old sitcoms. And There are times that, man, maybe, maybe it was just me, but I remember growing up and watching cartoons and sitcoms, and stores were always making a big deal about the you know, 1,000th customer or 10,000th customer or something like that. We do not live in that age anymore. Anyway, you'll be the 400th review. I don't know that there's anything I can do. I need to do a better job of reading them on air just to get you guys a little air time. So please keep doing that. If you don't have an Apple phone, perhaps you have iTunes on your computer and an iTunes account, please do boot it up there. Same deal. Go to the podcast tab and rate and review. Drop the five stars. Thank you, thank you, thank you in advance. Thursday, we had Charlotte as one of our betting favorites on yesterday's podcast, and that came through with a nice little money line win as just a narrow two-point dog. Terry Rozier had a better ball game. Devontae Graham only took eight shots, and I don't know that that's the worst thing in the world because then he's not killing you in this field goal percent. Still wasn't good, but at least the volume was lower. P.J. Washington was the guy we were watching at 14-6-5. Miles Bridges is a drop. I don't, I don't know why folks are still hanging on at, that, at this point. He, you can part ways. My guy, old man Marv, suffered a nasal injury in this ballgame. Not that that matters. Just thought it was funny because that's the type of crap that happens to an old man playing basketball. That's what I would leave with. My nose hurts. I'm sure he got whacked in the face. Kevin Love was good for Cleveland. Darius Garland was actually decent. He had eight assists in this ballgame. Is this the start of something? I doubt it, but it sure would be nice if he learned how to pass. He's only averaging three assists a game, and this eight is markedly higher than what he'd been doing, but his opportunity is a little bit better with no Jordan Clarkson. He feels really points leaguey right now. I'm not, I would not advocate a pickup in anything other than a points format. You got your, you've got your option here, and it is crystal clear. 
But we're going to keep watching the Cavaliers because someone eventually is going to have to separate themselves, right? Would seem like it. Colin Sexton, he doesn't pass, so that one's not going to be the guy. The guy that you figure is going to eventually make a little bit of noise is Larry Nance, but he's just buried on the depth chart right now. And Dante Exum only played 12 minutes, so that's not interesting either. Denver beat Indiana in a high-scoring game. This one well over the total by a lot. Nikola Jokic was in foul trouble. He managed 22-7 and in only 24 minutes. You take it, given the fact that it, it just didn't look like he was going to get to play very much. Michael Porter Jr. had a big one coming off the bench, but yeah, you're not, you're not picking him up. Not in that number of minutes and not with all those guys in front of him. For Indiana, good numbers almost across the board. Aaron Holiday had 10 assists in his fill-in job. He's a decent stream as long as Malcolm Brogdon is out. TJ McConnell as the backup point guard actually outplayed Holiday in this one. He had 8 points, 5 boards, 7 assists, and a steal in his good shooting as per usual. He's been a it's been a godsend in my 30-deep team, but yeah, not at all relevant in normal leagues. DeMontis Sabonis nearly triple-doubled. Miles Turner, 21 points on 13 shots, had a block and a three-pointer. Truly, he was one block away from a really nice ball game. TJ Warren is rolling, and Jeremy Lamb got real hot in this one. Just picked on Jamal Murray for a while. Denver obviously got the last laugh. Man, both teams shot the ball well. What a weird ball game. But uh, Jeremy Lamb, 36-2 with a steal and five three-pointers. I-, I know that there are times where it seems like he's trending down, but he's solid. He's quietly solid, has been all season long. Very nice nine-cat guy. So just hold it, hold together. Just trot him out there and don't worry about it. That's the easiest way to deal with that. Just trot him out there. Don't worry about it. He'll be fine. He always is. He will be again. Nothing else to make of this ball game, I suppose. Mason Plumley got some extra run with Jokic in foul trouble, but that's about it. Miami-Toronto, this was the ugly one of the night. This game had a total of 214, and they made it to 170. Yuck. Ugh. I just hope you didn't have anybody in this ball game. OG Ananobi double-doubled in 37 minutes. Kyle Lowry had 15-8 and eight in 40 minutes. That's a lot. Serge Ibaka, 19-10 with two blocks. Rondellis Jefferson at 13 and 7. Chris Boucher played 13 minutes. He did have a steal and a couple of blocks, but I mean, if this is what you were looking for when you rolled the dice on Boucher, well, then you and I were looking for different things when I said, the minutes aren't there, and I stick by that. I don't trust any of those backups. OG, Kyle, Serge, Freddie Van Fleet. That's it. That's what it has been. That's what it will be. Everybody else has extended themselves a little bit too early. For the Miami side, Jimmy Butler is is trying to blow a hole in fantasy teams right now. He's been completely out of sorts. They won, but he hasn't been able to hit a free throw lately. Very weird. His free throw percent is down to 82 after his recent cool spell, but that'll level off. It always does. He's he's Jimmy Butler. He's fine. Still got his steals, his rebounds, assists, nearly triple-doubled in a really ugly ball game. You just... For me, I have him in a lot of spots where I also have Jonathan Isaac, so I'm looking at these guys and thinking, okay, I need big games out of everybody that's not Jonathan Isaac right now, and then, you know, it didn't happen. Uh, Adebayo was good, 15-14, a block, and then everybody else was fairly pedestrian. But again, you put up 84 points, there just isn't going to be much. Duncan Robinson only played 19 minutes. He wasn't playing well in this one, but at least he got you a couple of threes before he vanished into thin air. Utah-Chicago. Remember when I looked at this line, I said Utah by three and a half. That sure seems weird. And then, poof, they win by four. <laughs> Glad I didn't bet that ball game. Rudy Gobert was solid. Joe Ingle was, was solid. Donovan Mitchell was okay. Not great. Boyan Bogdanovich, same story. And Jordan Clarkson had 12 points off the bench, but not close to nine cap value. Chicago, kind of a similar thing. It's the starters for the Bulls. Larry Markkinen was good. Zach Levine was good. Wendell Carter Jr. was good. Tomas Sadoransky was quieter in this ballgame. He didn't get any rebounds. Kind of a weird twist, but tends to float his value by not missing a ton of shots, getting you some steals. And then Chris Dunn, he's fringy. He's always going to be right on the edge there. Steals specialist, didn't get any, got a block. He's just not going to score, so his line's just not going to be that sexy. But eight boards, four assists. You know, he's a steal or two steals in this game away from a pretty solid line. Hey, if you thought the Heat-Toronto game was ugly, I got another one to sell you. Golden State lost to Minnesota 99-84. So again, there weren't that many great lines in this ballgame. Our guy Damian Lee had four turnovers, still managed 10-3-2 with a couple of steals. 
Marquise Chris and his streaming slot for Willie Cauley-Stein at 6, 7, and 5 with a block. Yeah, I mean, it was bad. Draymond Green, 2, 3, and 6. You guys still think that it's time to buy on him? No, you, you got to get out from under this madness. Wolves didn't have any of their guys either, but Rob Covington, mm-mm-mm, 20 and 10, four threes, two steals, two blocks. Shabazz Napier, great fill-in for Jeff Teague right now, and Andrew Wiggins. And then Gorgie Jeng, the guy we've really been riding at 6, 5, and 2 with a block, he just went quiet in this game. It was a weird one. This one is a weird one all the way across. You just you keep trotting those same guys out as long as everybody is out for Minnesota. We don't have an exact timeline on anyone. So use Shabazz Napier. Use Gorgie Jang. And obviously, you've got Rob Covington, who people were asking me, what's wrong with Rob Covington three weeks ago? And, you know, he's cruising along at a top 50-ish clip right now. So I, I think he's okay. I am not concerned. Ill-concerned. Not concerned. Brooklyn lost to Dallas 123-111. This was actually a pretty good ball game until late, and then the Mavs pushed out in front by a bunch. Brooklyn went to a slightly different starting lineup with DeAndre Jordan getting the start. He double-doubled on a perfect game, actually. 3-for-3 from the field, 4-for-4 from the free-throw line. No defensive stats. He was really one block away from getting a golf clap, and then the rest of the team was bad. Spencer Dinwiddie was okay. That was the other guy you were probably using. Torian Prince really just can't make a shot. And then Joe Harris has kind of fallen on the outside. Jared Allen also on the outside looking in. The one that this game frustrated me because over on that Dallas side, I was relying on Dwight Powell and DeLon Wright, and they didn't play very much. Or Powell played a fair amount. He got himself into foul trouble. Four points, did have a steal and two blocks, so that saved his line. DeLon Wright's been oddly inefficient his last two ballgames and didn't get any steals. So something weird is happening there. It's just a leveling off. Normally, he would make one or two additional shots. So you're looking at more like eight or nine points. And normally, he'd have a steal or two. So you're talking about eight, three, and five with a steal and a block or two steals. And that's the line you picked him up for. So not all that far off, just bad timing considering when we grabbed these guys. Maxi Kleba's played well in the two games without Kristaps Porzingis. He feels like a relatively safe play. And then in this one, Seth Curry got hot. Also cool for my 30-deep team. But not cool for those of us that were gambling on DeLon Wright and Dwight Powell because they weren't the guys that got hot. Oh, well. Oopsie-daisy. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Sometimes you roll the dice, it comes up the wrong side. Oklahoma City with another victory. Really, I, you know, I, I was talking on VEASAN earlier this, on, uh, on Thursday morning about how I felt like the Thunder were actually still underrated, and they are just winning a lot of close ball games. Chris Paul's been terrific. One turnover again. His turnovers are crazy low. The Nerlens Noel-Steven Adams combo at center has been fantastic. Gallo wasn't even good in this ballgame, and they dispatched of the Spurs. Chris Paul, 16-8-5. Shea, 25-7-5. A steal and two blocks. Schroeder, 19. They're good. Not great. They're not going to compete with the top teams in the West, but they're not bad, and they're playing better lately. Meanwhile, LaMarcus Aldridge hit four more three-pointers. He has 22-11 and with three blocks, four for four at the free throw line. He's just plugging along at a top 15 rate these days. DeMar DeRozan had a hot game. Derek White had a better ball game, but I don't care. And the Spurs have taken more threes, but it wasn't enough in this one. Not much to worry about in that ball game, I suppose. Just uh, commenting on a few interesting names. Memphis at Sacramento. Kings stormed in with a big fourth quarter to erase what I believe was a nine-point deficit relatively late in this ball game. De'Aaron Fox was brilliant. 27. Four and nine, five steals, two blocks, a three-pointer, made all eight of his free throws. And this is the kind of single game that can really move a guy's number. Now, I don't think he's going to get to where he was drafted. He's number 113 even after this Gigantor ball game, and he is not a great foul shooter. But guys go on runs. Guys go on runs. He'll have a game where he makes all eight of his free throws. His field goal percent should be okay. He's at 46.7 this year, which is a career high, so we're, we're good on that front. He's not going to many three-pointers, but steals should be pretty good. Assists should be pretty good. Scoring should be pretty good. I just don't see the, the giant leap from last year to this year that, I, that everybody, I think, is hoping jumps him up a few slots. Still, if you were hoping to buy low on him, this probably closes that opportunity off to you. 
Buddy Heald was better in this ballgame as well. That's a big deal for them. No Marvin Bagley, so Nemanja Bjelica had another start and played enough minutes to get fantasy value. Two blocks, two threes, eight points, five boards, two assists, three for six shooting. He just quietly plugs along at a decent clip. He's a top 80, top 90 kind of guy, and that's good enough as long as Bagley's out. Rashawn Holmes missed some free throws, or his line would have been better. 18-7, two blocks, 7 out of 10 shooting. He's just been fantastic. There's no reason to elaborate further. Finally, Harrison Barnes did enough to get on the radar, but he's not a standard league asset. And the Clippers blew out the Pistons, as we all kind of expected they would. Detroit closed the gap late in this ballgame in garbage time, but it didn't matter. It was farther apart in the third quarter. Clippers went on a giant third quarter run, and so everybody had somewhat depressed numbers in this game. With the exception of Lou Williams, who came back from the birth of a child, to have 22-5-5. And, and this is better than usual. The three three-pointers are better than usual. The one steal is better than usual. High turnovers, good free throw percent. He's way lower in the rankings than people expect. Paul George also left this game with hamstring tightness, and they'll obviously play it very carefully with him. They didn't need him in the second half of this ball game, so they sat him. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him miss a game or two. The Clippers are very much playing the long game this year, better than a lot of their competitors. Kawhi, we know he's going to rest one half of the upcoming back-to-back with Memphis and New York. They are on a very easy part of the schedule with Sacramento, Detroit, Memphis, New York, Golden State, a five-game run against severely sub-500 teams. So I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Paul George rest at least one half of the upcoming back-to-back, and maybe both. And then they have four days off before they play Golden State a week from today. So they got a little bit going over the weekend, but then they're off for a while. So if you got Paul George, expect a game or two missed here. They can rest him for two games and get him an entire week off, and it's an opportunity they might take. The next thing we got to work our way through, of course, is the week in review. Before I do that, remember to sign up for the Bruise Letter, the free hoop ball newsletter direct from Aaron Bruski to your inbox by going to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Email-only content you cannot get anywhere else. It's not on a website, not on a podcast. It's no place besides this free newsletter, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Sign up today. Let's go through this thing. Pickups, drops, holds, watch list guys, streamers. Lots of streamers right now with so many guys banged up. Pickup list is relatively short. I put Christian Wood on the pickup side because right now Blake Griffin and Markeith Morris are both out, which is exactly what I'd been noting, that there needs to be two guys down. He still didn't even start. He had a good ball game for uh, Detroit late on Thursday night, but he still didn't even get the start. They started Svi Mikaliuk and Tony Snell and Tim Frazier and Siku Dumboya. I mean, that's... Come on. I'm sure I mispronounced that, but for goodness sake, what do we got to do to get Christian Wood into the damn starting lineup? Regardless, two guys down in front of him still didn't start, but at least he got some minutes. That's what we're looking for, and that's why he's on the pickup list. I don't know why I put in his canter back on this list. I, I, I just felt like we needed to mostly, we should put him on the celebration list, if anything. He's been great lately. That's all there is to that. PJ Washington, I put on this list in case he got dropped while he was hurt. He should be owned. He's getting enough minutes, and his stat set is good enough to get him onto rosters. Damian Lee, who finally had his slowdown game but has been fantastic lately, he needs to be on the pickup list maybe for the rest of the season. He could legitimately be a rest-of-season threat. And he's not on that many rosters yet. And he needs to be, desperately. What are we waiting for at this point? The Warriors are going to sign him, and he's going to play a ton. Even when he's stinking, he's going to play a ton. That's the beauty of it. Get him in there. Get him playing. He played 28 minutes, and the Warriors blow out loss. Second highest total on the team behind only Glenn Robinson III. He's playing. They love him. And finally, I left Dwight Powell and DeLon Wright on the pickup list. You know, I have an interesting little side thought on the, the Dwight Powell thing. 
I think he might actually be better when Kristaps is healthy because Porzingis doesn't like to get in there and mix it up. Maxi Kleba doesn't seem to mind mixing it up a little bit. As we saw, he got in, got in a little bit of a scrum in their game on Thursday. Porzingis is floating out towards the perimeter. That allows Dwight Powell to get into the mix, go get some steals and blocks, and beat people up around the rim. He gets better looks in that setting. There's a fit that had just started to develop, and then Porzingis went down. So I actually think he'll be fine regardless. I think he'll play better in their next ball game anyway. Foul trouble limiting him a little bit. And then with DeLon Wright, he's a pillar of efficiency. So a couple of slower games, that's not going to change that. He's been good. The stuff is there. The steals will be back. It all levels off. It's all the mean. Our good friend, the mean. It'll be just fine. So I left those guys on the pickup list. It seemed like they belonged there. Drop list, George Hill. Now that Milwaukee is fully healthy, he's been fantastic from an efficiency standpoint. But, you know, at this point, he's like DeLon Wright, but with even fewer opportunity. So that's just not enough. Miles Bridges is on the drop list for me this week. Probably should have gotten there sooner. He just hasn't been good. It seems like it should happen, but it's just not happening. He's behind his brother despite playing eight minutes more than Mikhail Bridges in Phoenix. Mikhail's at at number 133 now. Miles is at number 143. By the way, Mikhail Bridges is actually playing some decent minutes lately. Not enough to be a thing, but a little bit better. Over the last month, they're both still deep out of the usefulness category. Miles Bridges actually had a couple of decent ballgames mixed in there. I just I can't trust him. That four-steal game was the one that jumped out at me. Maybe the drop list is too harsh. You know what? I'm going to amend that. I'm going to put him on the hold list for now. But if you can bench him, I think I probably would. I think you bench him and just don't worry about it too much. That feels like the safer play at this point. Throw him on your bench. Wait until maybe something pivots for him. All right. So he's off the drop list. Chris Boucher, Ronnie Hollis-Jefferson both on the drop list. But should, for me, you could put him on my never-picked-up list. I want the credit when everybody finally comes out and says, yeah, that didn't work. And then Derek White, still on my drop list because I think it's funny now to leave him on the drop list. <laughs> Means nothing, but whatever. Watch list. Darius Garland is on the watch list right now. There is a weird world where maybe it all sorts itself out. I don't know. That's the thing with Garland. He has shown no fantasy stat set at all this year, but we just don't know. Things can change. He hasn't solidified what he is as a fantasy player yet. If they make him the de facto point guard, and they're like, look, you got to pass. You just got to pass, 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 and then pass some more. That could turn him into a fantasy value because point guards have more value inherently than shooting guards unless the shooting guards are going bonkers in some specialty way, which he hasn't been. But if he's passing and he can get five, six assists to go along with some of the scoring stuff, well, then you got something working for you. So Garland's on the watch list. Eric Gordon is on my watch list, but not really. Reggie Bullock is also on my watch list, but not really. These are three-point shooters. Bullock, better percentage. Really, the question there is, is, do the Knicks, because we really don't know what the Knicks' plan is with Bullock. He signed there, presumably because they want to play him. Last year in Detroit, before he got traded to the Lakers, he was playing 31 minutes a game, averaged 12, 3, and 2.5 and with a half a steal and 2.6 three-pointers a ball game. In L.A., the steals and blocks were a little bit better, but the threes were down. So maybe there's some weird middle ground here. He's a very good three-point shooter, 39% for his career, and better lately, with the exception of L.A., because, I mean, you know how it is. These guys, they all tense up playing near LeBron. Maybe he just cuts loose in New York. Maybe he takes six threes a game and makes two and a half of them, and maybe he gets those 12 points but it really needs to come along with one steal, and that hasn't been his thing. So I wouldn't get too excited there on either of those three-point shooters. My hold list, and I don't think I need a ton of explanation here, but screw it. It's Friday's show, so I'll do it. P.J. Tucker is a hold. How could he not be, right? This is P.J. Tucker we're talking about. We know he always settles in to the same safe, Nice valuation. He was pretty much never going to be a top 50 guy all season long. We had fleeting hopes that it might hang in there. But once Russell Westbrook settled in, 
Some of P.J. Tucker's shots ended up going to Russ, and so now it's going to be a couple of threes here and there. The points are going to dial back the way they always have. The rebounds are going to be fine. The steals are going to be fine. He'll get you a couple of assists just because he's standing on the floor long enough. And his percentages are not great, but he doesn't take any shots or free throws anyway. So he'll be his usual top 85-ish self, and he'll coast along, and he'll be better than that at the end of the year because he's insanely durable, so he's a hold. Less holdy, but I'll put him in there anyway as his buddy Daniel House on the same team. I was so excited about these two guys, but House got that illness, and he just has never been the same. He's been a little bit better lately, but he's fallen outside of the top 100 in 9-cat now. Had that 22-point explosion. Three-pointers are starting to fall, but the steals and blocks haven't really come back yet for him. And that's what was floating his value early in the year. So if those aren't there, then what do we have? We've lost my spirit animal. 0.7 steals, 0.4 blocks over the last month in 32 minutes a game. So the playing time hasn't gone anywhere. Field goal percent has gone way down. Three-pointer is about the only thing that's held steady. So I just wonder if he's not fully healthy yet or if it's just a massive regression and he was never the guy that he looked like he might have been to start the year. Tough to say because it kind of came a little bit out of nowhere. But I'm going to hold him. Nemanja Bielica in Sacramento is a firm hold for me right now. He has to be because we don't really know what the hell is going on with Marvin Bagley. But as long as he's out, Bielica is playing big minutes and he has that really interesting across-the-board fantasy stuff. He's not going to score a ton. He'll get hot every once in a while. But probably look for 10 points. He'll get you four to six rebounds. He'll get you two or three assists. He'll get you sometimes a steal, sometimes a block, sometimes a three ball. And then somehow, when guys can do a little bit of everything, they find a way to a pretty good fantasy rankings. Number 69 in 9-cat on the season. On 11.5.6 boards, 2.5 assists, a steal, .6 blocks, two three-pointers, 47.5% from the field, 88 at the free throw line. It's just a little bit good at everything. Except playing defense, but who cares? He'll steal you. He'll, he'll walk into a steal or a block every once in a while. Doesn't matter how he gets to that point. Works for fantasy. It's all that matters to us. Works for fantasy, so he's a hold. Alfred Payton is a hold. I think a lot of people are more excited about him than I am, but he does belong on a roster because, you know, starting point guard for a NBA team... So you hope that good things happen. He just has these big holes in his fantasy game. And we talked about him ad nauseum, so we'll leave it at that. And Gary Harris has moved his way back from the drop list to the hold list because he's finally kind of finding himself a little bit. Took a while, but he's near. And he's healthy again, and that's good. So he's useful once again. Didn't know if that day would come. We have a truckload of streamers, and we'll lightning round these guys a little bit because there's there's a pretty easy correlation. Derek Jones Jr., you can stream him in Miami until Justice Winslow comes back. Jordan McRae, you can stream him until probably Davis Bertans comes back for Washington because he's been kind of providing that scoring punch. Shabazz Napier, you can stream him while Jeff Teague and Andrew Wiggins are out. Gorky Jang, you can stream him while Carl Anthony Towns is out. Kent Bazemore, you can just stream him all year because that's what he is at this point. Stream him when he's got a good schedule for you. Aaron Holiday, while Malcolm Brogdon is out. Marquise Chris, while Willie Cauley-Stein is out. And Maxi Kleba, while Kristaps Porzingis is out. And that is your super fast, super fast list of streamers. Let's talk about the weekend. And I'll have gambling thoughts on the six-game Friday slate. But first, I just want to talk about every team quickly here as we get set for what we're looking for over the weekend. Portland is at Washington. We heard that Thomas Bryant and Davis Bertans were both assigned to the Wizards G League team, the Go-Go. Don't know if that means they're coming back and playing immediately, but they are getting close. That's a really good sign for both of those guys. No Mo Wagner, so Thomas Bryant's going to have total rule of the roost when he comes back, and then Bertans was awesome, so you got that going for you. Portland's fairly predictable at this point. Not much to watch over there. For the Wizards, also worth watching what's going on with IT. He's faded here after it looked like he was just starting to turn a corner, and you just have to wonder if maybe he doesn't really have the fuel anymore that he used to have. He's not an old guy, but he's been beat up a bit for a few years. Miami-Orlando, first game without Jonathan Isaac. I don't think there's any one guy that's really going to step up and, and move from one side of the cut line to the other. 
you're going to see just more for the usual guys. But there's a weird world where maybe Orlando goes big and they play Vooch alongside, say, Kem Birch. We've already seen he doesn't do much with his playing time, but if somehow he finds his way to 30 minutes a game, you probably plug him in there because at least you got two months of it. And then with Miami, everybody is basically off the table now, except for Butler, Adebayo, and I still like Duncan Robinson despite the, uh, the slow ball game. Atlanta is in Boston. I think you're just playing the main guys there in Trey Young and John Collins with a possible nod to Kevin Herter. Not much really to pay attention to for Boston. I think we have an idea of what Ennis Cantor is set to be for the rest of the year on that team, so we can probably lock that one down. We can watch Marcus Smart a little bit. He hasn't been that great when they've been healthy, when he's been way down the pecking order. I'd, I'd like to get a better feel for what the expectations are from him now that all of the other wings and guards are ready to go, so we'll keep one eye on that, dude. Philly, they've, they've been talking a big game over the last few days about how they need to have some accountability. This will be a good test for them. They're in Houston taking on the Rockets. Same stuff as usual. Nothing really fantasy-wise with Philadelphia. Houston, you're watching guys like P.J. Tucker, Daniel House, and Eric Gordon. The Knicks, Alfred Payton, he's your guy to watch. Everybody else is a pretty obvious one. You're playing Julius Randle because you just you almost can't afford to miss it when he goes big. Marcus Morris, you're playing. Mitchell Robinson's been great. Phoenix, DeAndre Aiden ramping back up. I think it's officially time you can fully cut ties with Aaron Baines. He probably should have been on my drop list on today's podcast. But otherwise, Ricky Rubio, probable, by the way. That turned out to be a whole lot of nothing. And New Orleans finally playing for the first time in almost a week. They're in L.A. to take on the Lakers. This is the flip homecoming. So Anthony Davis already had his homecoming in New Orleans. And now Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, et al., they return to L.A. We'll see how they fare. I mean, those guys struggled in playing with the Lakers. Ingram has been fantastic this year. I'm mostly just excited about Derek Favors. He's been so good lately, and the Pelicans have been really good. But this is a task. He's going to have to deal with JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, and Anthony Davis in this ballgame, which, of course, means he's going to have to play. So at least you got that going for you. Flipping the calendar over to Saturday, where we can knock out basically the rest of our what to watch for over the weekend. Memphis is in L.A. to take on the Clippers. Nothing at all in that ballgame that we care to pay attention to. Zippo, fully nothing. How about that for completely uninteresting? Huh? Yeah, I know. Toronto, Brooklyn, nothing. I don't care about those bench guys on Toronto. You, you know how I stand on that one. By the way, we got some day games on Saturday, so that's fun. Utah-Orlando, nothing. We already talked about the Magic once. Oklahoma City-Cleveland, we talked about Cleveland already and what we're paying attention to in the guards. Indy-Atlanta, nah. Boston-Chicago, nothing. Denver-Washington, we covered it. Detroit-Golden State, okay, there's a little something here to pay attention to. Pistons, they're all over the map with their starting lineup, so that'll be a thing. The health of their players is really the pivotal note in how we pay attention to that particular basketball team the health of their team is going to dictate what we do uh, from a fantasy standpoint but not much else much else and for the Warriors does D'Angelo Russell make his return does Willie Cauley-Stein make their return now that the team is back home we know Willie Cauley-Stein was sick they wanted to keep him away from the other players he was great before he got sick just piling up defensive stats and they're gonna need a big guy in there with Andre Drummond in town Charlotte, Dallas, plenty to pay attention to in this ballgame. Kleba, Powell, DeLon Wright on one side. P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges on the other. Spurs at Milwaukee. Pelicans, Sacramento. Sacramento, it's the same thing. Is Marvin Bagley playing? Otherwise, I think we've got a pretty good feel for that club as well. And then finally on Sunday, we basically covered all of these teams already. Uh, just a five-game Sunday card, and all of these teams played either on Friday or Saturday as well. And that wraps up our fantasy what to watch for. Last thing to cover, the Friday betting lines. Six games on the dock, and you know damn well I'm trying to find a way to bet on the Pels because they've been good, but I don't like betting on teams that have been resting for basically five days. They haven't played since, crap, it's been almost a week. I think they've been off for four days in between ball games. so it's a five-day stretch, and teams get rusty. They get rusty. They might feel healthy, but they're a little over overclocked 
They're, the the shots are not dropping usually as quickly. I, I'm just I wish there was a reason I could take them, but if any if ever there were a game where they might come out and and just and for the Lakers they almost got caught napping in that last basketball game. Remember they gave up nearly a 30 point lead to the Phoenix Suns, so they're probably going to be a little bit ticked off coming to this one too. Almost. That's the first one that I looked at as soon as I looked at the card. But hey, if you're going to bet along with us and we just, guys, we're we're winning a lot right now and we're just about to launch a betting podcast. This is the time. Get involved and join us. It doesn't have to be much. I'm not telling you guys to put in a bunch of money, but just drop a few shekels into mybookie.ag. Start up an account with promo code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y. Let us know if you do it too. Shoot me a note. It's like, hey, Dan, I opened up an account. Let's win together. Uh, we'll pick some winners. We'll make it work. We'll make it work for you. It's going to be a lot of fun as we slowly grow our bankrolls over the course of the year. Slowly grow our bankrolls. We're going to look for winners here and there. One game per day. Sometimes two. Sometimes none. So we're not going to go nuts. Again, promo code is the word today. The website is mybookie.ag. We want 100 signups this month. That's a big deal to us. That's a big deal because we got we got a partner locked in. They got a good promo code running. Let's take advantage of it. And then let's go take some money. And here's the thing. I mentioned it either yesterday or the day before. I can't remember which. They don't care who wins. They don't care if we win. They love it. They love it when people win because someone on the other side is losing. They keep the chalk. They keep the vig. You pay you gotta pay 110 to win hundred. Where do you think that 10 goes? The guy on the other side paid 110 to win hundred also. Where do you think that 10 goes? They don't care who wins. They'll pay out the two hundo. And they keep the 20. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. So come win with us. You're not hurting them. Let's go play with our partners at mybookie.ag. Promo code today. Get that deposit bonus. Taking a look at some of the games on tonight's docket, now that we have some of the numbers, the Portland Trailblazers are six-point favorites at Washington. It's a relatively high number. This basically means that they're a nine-point neutral site favorite. I have to believe that means they think Bradley Beal is not playing because that's a huge number. I mean, would Portland really be a 12-point home favorite in this matchup? I don't think so. They're not that good. They just got smoked by the Knicks. I don't know how you can bet on Portland, although they, they're going to be pissed off. They can't afford to lose this one after losing the game in New York on New Year's Day, so maybe they come out with a little bit more fire. Miami, two-point road favorites at Orlando. They're finding a way. Orlando without Jonathan Isaac is a question mark. The question mark that needs to be flipped upside down, or the, the, the answer we need is, do they get a little bit of an injured star bump with no Jonathan Isaac? He's not a high-usage guy. So I'm inclined to think that this is one of those situations where a guy going down really does make them a team to fade in the betting markets. Whereas for a lot of the time, you know, like let's say Russell Westbrook got hurt for a week for Houston. I think you could actually back the Rockets because the line that fits our injured start theory, a big usage guy goes down. That just means everybody else can kind of fill in and play a little bit harder with this one. The Magic lost a low to medium usage guy. He's not, a, he's not someone they run the offense through. He's someone that anchors the defense. He's incredible defensively. So losing that, I don't think the line changes all that much with Jonathan Isaac out. I don't think that the general betting public sees that name missing and thinks, oh, I should fade the Magic. But you probably should. I mean, we'll see. They'll be competitive. Miami-Orlando is always a, at least a decent ball game, but... To me, this makes Orlando far worse. We talked about it in terms of what they can do to, to hang into that playoff spot. So I, I don't know. I'm probably leaving this one alone, but I would actually lean to Miami. I think the Jonathan Isaac absence is a bigger deal than the line would indicate. Atlanta, 12-point underdogs at Boston. I mean, what are you going to do? Trey Young likely to be back for this ball game. That kid's a warrior, man. He doesn't miss much time with anything. But this could go either way. Houston, five-point favorites at home to the Philadelphia 76ers. They're having a little bit of turmoil right now. But I think they're going to play their butts off in this game. Philly, as we've seen, very good at packing the paint. That's a pretty good defense against a guy like Westbrook. We'll see what they do with Harden. What can anybody do with Harden? Knicks, six-and-a-half-point dogs at Phoenix and the Lakers 
by 10 and a half over the New Orleans Pelicans. Those are your lines that you're looking at right now. I already told you I'm looking for a reason to back the Pels, but that long layoff between games does scare me a tiny bit. Phoenix, are they playing better now? Now that they're healthy, will that be a difference maker for them? Sounds like Rubio is good to go, so they're basically going to have their whole lineup in this one in a very weird twist. I think if I'm looking at anything on this chart, it's it's actually probably Philadelphia, maybe Miami. I can't figure out that first ball game. Portland, Washington just feels like it's going to be crazy high scoring, and sure enough, that totals 236. Now we'll figure it all out. If you want any best bets from Hoopball, you can check those out in our layup line. That is a premium product. Or stay tuned because we are closing in on the release of the Hoopball betting podcast name we haven't released to you guys yet either. Oh, I'm so excited. It's so close. Just waiting on big provider approval. And then it's coming straight into your earbuds. And that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. We worked our way through the whole thing. We got all 30 teams coming up. We got our betting markets. We got our weekend review. We got our Thursday recap. And we got what I think was a pretty good talk off the ledge about the Jonathan Isaac stuff and how to assess this situation. You really have to... It's a lesson for all injuries that strike because they will happen, unfortunately. They will happen to all of us. And it's about figuring out how you're going to deal with it. How are you going to handle the loss of a key player? It's going to happen. There's just there's nothing you can do. So you, you have to treat it mathematically. I hope that we did that on today's show. Next week, we should be getting some guests back on the program as we exit the holiday hubbub. Get a little rock, paper, scissor action maybe, a little buy low, a little sell high. Maybe some strategic elements as we enter January. I know what my strategic elements are, and I'll hopefully get a chance to talk about those. My strategy? Averages. What does he mean by that? I'll explain next week as well. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Vespers. Thanks again for rating and reviewing the podcast. Again, hit me up if you want to be a part of us here at Hoopball. As usual, you guys know the story. You can bug me on Twitter, at Dan Besbris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you don't need anything, spectacular. We'll talk to you guys on Monday, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.